Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Build Your Network, episode 111. Hey there, Grant Cardone, New York Times bestselling author, affected hundreds of billions of dollars in sales and $1 billion owner of real estate. If you want to 10X your network like I have, you should be listening to Build Your Network podcast with my good friend, Travis Chapel. You have the ambition, the knowledge, and the experience, but still lack those relationships necessary for achieving true success. Welcome to Build Your Network, your guide to growing your inner circle, increasing your influence, and assisting others in reaching their goals. This is networking the way it should be, brought to you by your host, Travis Chapel. What is up and welcome to the one and only show that brings you tips and tricks on networking from the best experts around three days a week. Although they may not all be in the same field, every guest that comes on the show has one very important thing in common. They believe, as I do, that building relationships is crucial to achieving success in life. I cannot wait to introduce you to today's guest, but first, if you have not done this already, please go ahead and schedule a quick chat with me. I would love to talk with you sometime just for 10 or 15 minutes over the phone. Um, head on over to buildyournetwork.co forward slash FB, and in the pinned welcome post in the top of my Facebook group, you'll see a link that goes directly to my calendar, and there you can schedule a quick chat. I'd love to talk with you sometime, so I'll catch you there, or I'll catch you in the Facebook group. And now let's go ahead and chat with today's guest, Grant Cardone. Grant is a massively successful entrepreneur, real estate investor, sales trainer, consultant, and public speaker. He also owns the Grant Cardone TV Network, a digital home for business owners and other success-minded people, where he hosts, directs, and produces programs that help people do whatever it takes to succeed. His best-selling books include The 10X Rule, If You're Not First, You're Last, and Be Obsessed, or Be Average. He lives in Miami Beach with his wife, Elena, and two 
children. Grant, welcome to the show, man. Hey, man. Thanks for having me, Travis. Travis Chappell. Yes, sir. Yes, now, sir. Are you any relation to David? <laughs> David Ch- no, no. That's actually, it's pronounced chapel. Yours so, is chapel. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's a lot more well, boring. Maybe he is chapel too, but he smoked too much weed. That, that could very well be accurate. Yeah. You never know. So let's go Great to be dive, on the show, dive straight right into it. Dive and, in. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about where this all came from. So get back to where this all kind of started. So your dad starts making good money at a young age, and then you find yourself an awesome lake house. You're on, yeah, on I mean, look, it wasn't, it wasn't like when you yeah. say the lake yeah. house, man, I get fantasies of yeah, being on yeah. Lake Tahoe with this big mansion, you know, and the Godfather's <laughs> there. It, right. it wasn't like that. It was like a four bedroom house, right. two acres of land, Lake Charles. Louisiana. Ideal middle class though. Yeah. Yeah. Ideal middle class. He had yeah. just made it right. Mm-hmm, My right. dad just got in. Mm-hmm. So, so then so, what happens? Well, for the first time, our neighbors were doctors mm-hmm. and something had, had significantly changed. Like I could tell my mom and my dad were celebrating something like they had somehow made it. And then my dad died. Uh, about 18 months after he bought his dream house. Hmm. So, you know, when people hear this story, they because they didn't live it and haven't looked back at it, they're like, okay, dad died, guy moved into his dream house. But what they miss is that the 10-year-old, the kid is collecting data. I'm calculating right. everything right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Kids calculate everything, by the way. I mean, all teenagers are over underestimated. Eight-year-olds are underestimated. They see everything, mm-hmm. how kids use Soaking it. in, yeah. They're soaking mm-hmm. everything. Yeah. There could be 50 things going on and a kid probably picks up all 50 of them. Mm -hmm. Whereas an adult's only going to pick up one or two things. So I'm collecting data. Okay, dad, life is short. Mom has to sell the house the next week. Mm -hmm. A house is not a good deal. We lost the dream house. I'm pissed off. We got to go. Say, move. So how crushed are you at this I'm point? Crushed, like dude. You, you get into this awesome house, and at this context, at this age, you do think it's the awesome house, right? Like, well, you're, it, well, you're for me, thinking, it was. Yeah. I mean, we went from a little fourteen hundred square right. foot house to like three thousand square feet. I went from five thousand square foot lot that we, mm-hmm. you know, had a little tetherball right. and a treehouse to two acres of land, right? Where I could go shooting in the woods. I mean, this is when kids could carry guns. Mm-hmm. I had a gun with me. I'm out shooting owls and. Blackbirds and robins, dude. I'm having freaking having ideal having kid life. Come yeah, wars. Sure. <laughs> yeah. We're in the lake. I'm in the lake every day, crabbing, right. fishing, boating, yeah. mud fights. I'm coming home at night, man. I got mud. I can't <laughs> hear because I got so much mud in my ear. Because yeah. me and my twin brother had been having mud fights for four yeah. hours. So how devastated then are you? My when dad you dies. So immediately, like the guy that. Like this guy could do no wrong. He mm-hmm. was the success figure in the household. Right. He was a provider. He dies. So I got the grief to deal with. The next week, my mom sells the house. Mm. I'm like, oh, now I'm pissed off. Right. Now I go from grief to pissed off. I'm angry my dad died. I'm angry at my dad. I'm angry at God. I'm angry at my mom. I'm angry at everybody. And so, dude, and I'm 10. Mm-hmm. Okay, now I'm going to be moving into puberty here in a couple of years. I'm moving away from all my friends. My dream deal. No mm-hmm. more Kumquat right. Wars. Yeah. No more no BB more gun. Fights. No more twenty two yeah. calibers. No more shooting Robins. Now I'm back in the city. Hmm. But I still have this, you know, this space that I've been dealing with. And now I'm getting restricted and thrown back in a school. I actually lived across. My mom moved across from a school. Hmm. So I had to look at prison every day. <laughs> <laughs> Go drive by the, where you went to school. Yeah. And look at it today. Because it looks like a prison. Hmm. Right. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is uh, the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. So you're 10, you get back into the city. Going forward into your teenage years, typically you have some sort of an obsessive personality. Would you say that would be accurate? Like the personality every, type is... I think everybody does. So everybody. I've okay. never met somebody that doesn't have an obsessive personality. They can't you obsess about something. You have one. What do you mm-hmm. obsess about? this good everybody obsesses about something no don't people are like oh man you're just unusual you're a beast you're like a freak of nature Mm -hmm. dude everybody's a freak of nature just let it out okay so you start using that obsession for negative things yeah as a teenager well yeah drugs came along okay you know, I started smoking weed when I was 15. Okay. I knew the second I picked it up, it was a problem. Mm. Because it was Just a secret. Just didn't care though? It was a secret. No, no, I did care. I cared a lot. Okay. And that was the problem, right? I couldn't smoke it away. So do you think it was like, a, it was definitely like an escapism type of a... No, no, it wasn't an escapism. It, it was basically, because what do you escape into? Now I have shame. Now I have guilt. Now mm. I know I'm a liar. Now I know I'm a, a bit of a thief because I'm stealing I'm gotcha, stealing. Gotcha. I got secrets. I can't tell my mom, right? I got this new life, this quiet life. I don't feel good about it. Mm-hmm. My twin brother's the one that turned me on to it, him and his two punk friends, <laughs> right? So now I don't like my brother about it, but you know, the next thing I know, I'm smoking weed every day. Mm-hmm. And then I'm smoking weed 10 times a day. Yeah. Then I'm skipping school to smoke weed. Then I'm popping pills, drinking during the day, by the way. Mm-hmm. Amphetamines. Nobody smokes weed and says, one day I'm going to be freaking. I'm going to think about putting a needle in my arm. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, right. that's how close I got. So for the next nine years, I became a daily drug addict. Okay, so for, so now you're 23. Yeah, 23. I get my brains beat in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But that wasn't enough. I was reading uh, Be Obsessed or Be Average. Yeah, yeah. I get, God leaves my house. We were doing drugs. They knew I had some money in the house. Yeah. Because, you know, when you're doing drugs, you tell people stuff you shouldn't tell people. Of course, yeah. It was a rainy night. And I'm walking these guys out. We had a steak or something at the house, and we're doing stupid stuff. And I walked them out of the house, and they got a guy there to rob me. So a guy walks in, beats the shit out of me, just beats me like 70 stitches in my head and face. Wow. Still got tracks all in my head, under my eyes. You can see them right here. Yeah. Like yeah. right there, you can see over both of my eyes, my lip. And I went to the hospital for four days. Mm. I was using drugs the next day in wow. the hospital. So it wasn't, stop, it wasn't enough. No, but I couldn't stop. It wasn't mm. about enough. It wasn't about like, okay. It was always, I want to stop, just like wasn't able to. Dude, I couldn't stop. Yeah. 
Like by this time I had this compulsion, this addiction, this inability to stop. If drugs were around me and I didn't change the environment I was in. So what was the final straw then? I went to treatment. Oh, my mom said, hey, don't, don't, you can't come here anymore. I was that's, 25. That's what I wanted to get to. So mom. Yeah, was two years later, I went and visited my mom. She had a little business and I went and visited her and I was loaded. Yeah. Slurring my words, right, right. falling on her, embarrassing her. Mm. She's like, hey, don't ever come back here. Wow. It's the hardest thing she ever did. Oh, sure. 28 days later, I was in a treatment center. Mm. I was like, okay, I surrender. Went to the treatment center, stayed in the treatment center as long as the insurance lasted. You know, which wasn't long. Quite a scam. What, 20, was it, that enough? was 28 days. Okay. So 28 days, man, look after like three or four or five days. I was like, wow, I can quit. Hmm. I went five days. First five days. I so it was really the realization that it was possible. It was possible, yeah. man. Because I had been trying to quit, Travis, for like nine years. Hmm. Not just nine years, nine years every day, probably 10 times a day. Oh. I would snort cocaine and then say, I'm never going to do this again. And within put, hours. Dude, I'm putting the, I'm filling the second nostril up and I'm like, okay, this is the last time I'm going to do this. Right. My nose has got like... Back then, they, it was starting to have damage to the yeah, membranes, septum, right? Yeah, yeah. And I'm always runny nose, and I'm gray. I, I weighed 135 pounds when I went to treatment. Wow. So 35 pounds wow. less than I weighed. I was sick, dude. I was a sick man. And so what they told me there was like, you got a disease, dude. You'll never get over this. That's the craziest part of the story. Is yeah. That, so you go to this place where like their job is to try to keep you Rebuild from not you. doing this. Right. And then you leave. And what does the counselor say to you? The guy says on the way out, he's like, look, you'll never make it, man. I said, what you think, man? You'll never make it, dude. Gosh. And I said, what do you mean? He's like, you have to give up all these ideas. Because when you go to treatment, you tell them everything, right? right. So you kind of start opening up. So you start telling them about like your he grandiose says, dreams and yeah, I said, ideas. He said, and... these ideas that you being rich, yeah. that one day you're going to own companies or that you're going to write books and you're going to somehow make your mark. He's like, you got to give all that up, dude. Hmm. You need to be satisfied with one thing. Not using drugs 24 hours a time. I'm thinking to myself, that's some bull. <laughs> I ain't never going to be you, dude. Yeah. He's like, you need to help other drug addicts and you need to be satisfied with not using, period. Go to meetings. And I did, man. I went to meetings for, I don't know, seven years. And then one day I looked up, I said, look, everybody around here, man, there's nobody getting better in here. Yeah. People are stuck in a lower condition. Mm-hmm. Okay. I learned this later. Like they were stuck in an addiction in a disease. And people kept saying, I'm a drug addict. I'm a drug addict. I'm like, no, I'm not a drug addict. dude. I don't use drugs anymore. I am not a drug addict. I am a recovered, once addicted individual. Right. So what I did was I said, look, I got to take all this energy, this negative energy. By the way, my drugs weren't my problem. Drug was not my drug of choice. I only did drugs when I was bored. Mm. When I was bored, I got in trouble. And this is what led me to this book, Be Obsessed or Be Average. I have never had a problem as long as I was active. Yeah. It is the moment that I become inactive and bored. I was did a red eye, I was telling you the other night from Vegas. Mm-hmm. It's, I don't know, three o'clock in the morning. I don't have anything to do, man. I can't sleep. The guy next to me sleeping. And I'm bored. I'm yeah. trying to sleep, but I can't <laughs> sleep in this bull seat, right? So I take my camera out. Everybody up in first class is sleeping. And I take my camera out and I just start popping pictures of this guy <laughs> with the freaking flash on right through his eyelids, right? Until he wakes up. Because when I'm bored, and I think a lot of people are like this. I know when I wrote the book, people are like, dude, when I'm bored, I get in trouble. Mm-hmm. When I'm bored, I start looking for action. Mm-hmm. Right. And I don't think that that's a problem with me being a kid. I was at my kid's school this morning, you know, and I watched this one little kid doing this in the art class. He just couldn't stop, man. Right. I know somebody's going to try to put him on drugs. Yeah. One of those teachers is going to be like, that kid's got a problem because mm-hmm. he's bouncing. Mm-hmm. But I think everybody's a bouncer. 
I think everybody's bounced. Everybody's every, got that in them. To, yeah. Everybody's got energy. Okay. It might be an introverted energy. Yeah. So then you take this energy yeah. and you go back to the car lot that you were working at yeah. before you checked yourself into yeah. rehab. But this time with like a total renewed yeah. energy. I was selling focus. cars when I went to the treatment center because mm-hmm. they allowed drug addicts to work there. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember I'd be between deals. And literally using drugs. It was sad, man. So I went to the dealer that I was working for. I said, look, I got a problem, man. I can't quit. I need to go to treatment. Can I have my job back when I get back? Mm. You know, as long as I earn it. And he's like, yeah, but you don't need to go to treatment. I said, no, no, I got to go. Yeah, or I'm going to die. Yeah. And so I went to treatment, came back. He gave me my job back. I hated car sales. All I knew when I left was I hated that job. Mm. Part of why I hated it, though, was because I hated myself. Mm. I think a lot of people hate the job they're in because they don't do well at it. Because they don't like the way they're doing their life. Right. Or they don't like the way right. they're performing at their job. Unsatisfied with something about themselves, not really the job yeah. itself. And when I came back, dude, I said, look, I'm going to get great at this job. It was the only opportunity I had. Yeah. So I came back, man. I took all that addictive energy, all that time I spent on drugs. And just one more thing on the drugs. Drugs are not the only problem with drugs. It's all the degraded stuff you do that you would never do if you weren't on the drugs. Hmm. Like that's the stuff, the, the shameful stuff that, the drug addict has to do right. or does. And so when I came back, man, I said, look, all I need to do is keep busy. Yeah. If I don't keep busy, I'm going to be in trouble here. Back in trouble. So I threw myself into this car thing and I became, I reached like top 1% of all the automotive people in the world. What kind of a yeah. role did the owner of that car dealership play in all of this? Was it just kind of like a, hey, yeah, you he, can show back up or he, was he actually trying to help? You? He didn't understand the severity of the problem. Okay. You know, he's one of those people in your life, one of those people close that's, you're good, dude. You're all right. Everything's fine. Mm-hmm. He was close enough to be blind. Okay. You know, like my yeah. mom was for years, like my brother, right. like my sister, like people that care, like my other drug buddies. Everybody goes blind, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So we can no longer, that's the importance of networks. Yeah. Your network has to be, they have to have open eyes. Right. And they need to be honest and they need to be have ethics. Otherwise they'll be blind to what they're doing that's not ethical. Okay. Okay. So one thing that fascinates me about this whole story is that throughout this whole time, w- would you say that your dad was probably one of the more successful people that you ever saw up to like the time yeah, you were mean, in your I, 20s? Yeah, him and the doctor, him okay. and his buddy, the doctor. You yeah. know? I didn't know any other successful people. So how long did it take for you to find someone that had the same point of view on obsession with success as you did? Because it seems like all the authority figures in your life were just like, okay, with like where they were or what they were doing, or maybe see your success at, yeah. in car sales and say, hey, slow down, well, dude, take a break. Yeah, this is a great question. You know? By the way, you do a great interview, dude. Thank you. You know, yeah, I need to send a bunch of my buddies over to you. But number one is the environment I was in, the automotive environment was filled with just a lot of very average people hmm. that were satisfied with just having fun on the weekends. Like if you could just, Kenny, I remember Kenny, if Kenny could just get drunk on the weekend, he was yeah. fine. Just make your 70 grand a year, yeah. 60 grand a year. If Jose was, could keep yeah. making his 50, 60, 70 grand, and there, he's the top salesman in the mm-hmm. store. He'd right. been there 15 years or something and he could get his award. Right. He was happy. Now, prior to that though, I had always been looking for a mentor. I had always been searching. So when my dad died, my that guy that I looked up to, I started looking for other guys like that, right? Mm-hmm. So TV's available. Right. There's a lot of mentorship going on in TV. I start watching all the gangster movies. Oh, wow, there's power. Right. There's success. He gets the girl. I'll watch the James Bond movies. So I'm starting to pull in these ideas of role models or yeah. success or what I'm going to be because I'm trying to formulate my life. It doesn't matter what, if you're 10, 12, 15, 18, you don't have a choice. You're making, you're trying to become someone who you are, right? Right. So I'm pulling in all this data, half of which is like, Bad stuff, criminals, right? 
Mm-hmm. I forget that they die at the end of yeah, the story, exactly. you know? So those are starting to become my role models. And then when you get into the educational system, schools, high school, college, dude, it's boring. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. teachers are boring. Right. Like, I don't want to be that guy. And so I'm searching for who can I be, you know? And there's not a lot of, years ago, there's not a lot of role models out there. Right. Right. So uh, this is one really part, a big part of this, because that's what I find. People are always a product of their environment. Yeah. Right. So you're in an environment that has a lot of people that are trying to contain you. Right. Yeah. And that's one thing that I find very similar with a lot of the people that I've talked to, especially on the show, is that they were in this environment where they're trying to excel yeah. and become the best. But everybody around them, even the people that they love, it's not yeah. always the drug dealers and the people more, that more often them. than not, it's right. the real enemy. Right. It's not done out of like a spiteful it's mentality either man. right it's just like they legitimately think i would rather the, the malicious i would rather the enemy i would rather know that somebody is consciously right. trying to stop because me. then you know it's the least wrong 100 like i know what, they're, what they're up to yeah, exactly it's my sister right. that wants to cuddle me mm-hmm. exactly under mm-hmm. the disguise of i just want to take care of you yeah that is the most damaging because right. it's the wife you sleep with Mm-hmm. It's your dad that says, dude, I just don't want you to get hurt. Exactly. Right. Like it's the people in your life that care for you that don't even know that they're actually damaging yeah. you. Holding you from reaching. Yeah, because they have some other agenda. That's why I say never take advice from a quitter. Mm-hmm. That's not a damaging comment. It's right. like, look, if your dad quit on money, if he was going along in his life and he's like, I'm gonna go get it, I'm gonna go get it, right? And then one day he's like, it's not worth it. Somebody, you know, he had a big loss. He's like, I'm not going to go for it anymore. That's the last guy you'd want to get advice from. You know, if somebody went bankrupt because they expanded too fast, they're going to tell you when you go to expand, they're going to be like, dude, don't spend money and don't, bigger's not better. Don't never take advice from a quitter. He quit on expansion because he got spanked. Right. Rather than recalibrating and figure out, creating a new network. Mm -hmm. I need a new network of people that are winning. And just because you were winning a decade ago, doesn't mean you should be in my network today because a guy was expanding 10 or 15 or 20 years ago. Doesn't mean like when you study mentors, you got to study where they're at in the cycle. Right. So I don't know what a good example is, but you know, I want advice from Jack Welch when he was building GE, not when he Mm -hmm. pulled away from it. So Mm -hmm. I want to know from Howard Schultz when he's blowing up Starbucks, not when he's leaving the company, he's going to go into politics. Mm -hmm. I don't care about his politics. I care about his expansion. Right, right. So this is something that I find really fascinating is that most people will always look for the excuse to stay average. So what I mean by that is like, they're okay with comparison if it's to people that are less fortunate. So they'll use it as like a, well, just be grateful that you're not, you know, in Zimbabwe, like living in a grass hut. But then the second that you bring up, well, like, you know, we'll look at Grant Cardone. He's buying multifamily real estate in millions of dollars. Hundreds of millions. Hundreds of millions of dollars. And he's worth all this money and stuff. But but then when you say that, it's like, well, you know, you should just be grateful for where you are. So they use comparison only when it's in their advantage. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Look, this is the entire, you just encapsulated the entire definition of the middle class. The middle class in America and other middle classes that are being developed in India and other third world countries where there's not a middle class, they are based on comparisons. The entire middle class is a complete phenomenon. It is a mythological creation by politicians where comparison is the definition. I am in the middle because I'm not in poverty Mm. and because I'm not super rich. Right. Even rich to a degree is just a fancy middle yeah, class. Right. Like, like if you ask my seven-year-old, Sabrina, hey, what do you think? What is the middle class? Because she asked me one day, she's like, you talk about the middle class all the time. What is it, Bob? I said, what do you think it is? She's like, I think it's rich people that are really poor. <laughs> and that's the person that makes 70 grand a year. 
Right. Doesn't have any money left over, Mm -hmm. making their car payments, making their house payments, stuck, can't leave, can't move. But you're better off because you said it perfect. You are better off than somebody in Zimbabwe. Right. So just be grateful. Who's never had a bicycle. So don't. So be grateful, be satisfied. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. Don't push. Right. You have more than most. You have clothes on your back. You have transportation. You have air conditioning. You have food in your refrigerator. And every time you go to Whole Foods, by the way, you're like, ouch. Yeah. That's not freedom. So you're Travis, you're doing a service to people to tell them the truth. So what is the balance then? Because I feel like being grateful is a really good practice, Yeah. but you should also have a, some sort of a healthy dissatisfaction for where you are to keep pushing forward. So what's the balance between the two? I think people need to be great and full of great. <laughs> you need to be great. You know, somebody said the other day, man, you're really blessed. I said, no, dude, I'm proving it. Hmm. I'm proving that I'm blessed. I'm not interested. God doesn't need to be recognized as blessing me. God has zero, like he's not putting a mark on the board. I need to prove that I'm blessed. He already did his work. I need to do my work. Now, you guys need to go out and prove that you're blessed. You need to get grateful, full of greatness. And do I need to be grateful? Dude, I'm grateful for everything. Mm -hmm. But I'm not spending time on grateful. I'm spending time on how do I fulfill my potential? Mm -hmm. That is the great payback. Like if there's a God, a higher power, whatever you want to call it, Mm -hmm. him, her, it. Dude, the great payback is to prove it is to fulfill the potential, not to be like, well, I got to work today and I didn't get in a wreck. Yeah. All right, good, man. But that can't be the rest of my day. Or I came to work today and I didn't get drunk. Or I didn't punch anybody in the face today. Mm. Like I didn't punch anybody in the face. I didn't beat my wife up. I didn't uh, make my kids feel bad. I could be grateful for that. So I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. Right. So the rager, that's what the rager does. I didn't beat anybody's face. Yeah. In okay, dude, look, like, where are we going to move the conversation yeah. to? Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm interested in. I am very- it's like, is that really the fulfillment of your potential to not hit people? You know what I mean? Yeah, like exactly. Right. Like- I, I'll give you an example. Like I just, I bought a plane three years ago, sold the plane, bought another plane. When I got on the new plane, okay, I was literally on this plane three minutes. It's a brand new plane. Gulfstream 550 is like top of the line, everything. I was on that plane, maybe three minutes. Ryan Seco was on the pilot and mm-hmm. I'm on three minutes and I said, I'm going to buy the next level. <laughs> so was I grateful? Am I ungrateful? Dude, I love the plane I'm on. Okay. Yeah. I'm extremely grateful for it. Now, the question now in this conversation becomes, when is enough enough? Mm. And if you're asking that question, I guarantee you, you don't have enough and you're not working hard enough and you're not going for your potential. Rather, you're measuring against other people. So you're trying to make sense of what you said. You're trying to make sense of why you don't have what you have. And you'll do that by making me wrong. Right. And almost and changing into a morality issue. Totally, Not, totally. Yeah, just like just saying, oh, getting rich is selfish. And it's- Now yeah. it's going to become, see, nobody's ever covered this, what you're doing right now. Now the guy's going to drop into a morality issue. Why do you need so much? Right. You know, you could have taken that money for that plane and you could have fed hungry people, mm-hmm. you right. know? Well, dude, I'm feeding hungry people. I'm the, by the way, when we're having this conversation, I'm feeding more hungry people than the guy asking the question. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's always interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there it is. (laughs) For those listening, we'll we'll link up to the video in the show notes. You come check it out. We just put a little model of Grant's plane he just bought up on the desk here. So no, um, this is the actual plane though that I bought. (laughs) Yeah. The the actual model, right? I shrink myself (laughs) to get in the plane. <laughs> the future. Yeah. yeah, the future shrinker. <laughs> okay, cool. So we covered a lot of stuff so far. This is the Build Your Network podcast where we talk yeah. a lot about networking, building yeah, relationships. Yeah. And we've kind of touched on it already. But the question I always ask to get the conversation going in the right direction is, do you believe that what you know or who you know is more important and why? Yeah, I've had this conversation with a lot of people. I believe who you know is more important than what you know. Why is that? 
Well, you know, look, your connections, man, the connections can accelerate everything. So we did a growth conference. We did my annual growth conference. We did one that was 9,000 people there, 23 speakers. Mm -hmm. I didn't know this years ago. I was out there competing. I write about this. And if you're not first, you're last. The competition thing is a dead art. You don't want to compete with people. You want to collaborate with people. And I didn't know this because the way I grew up, because my dad died, probably I didn't have any connections. And because I didn't have connections and I didn't have a network and I wasn't in the club and I wasn't in the country club and I wasn't at the golf course and I didn't know the bankers, I probably, because I didn't have those things and I didn't know how to do it, I probably made networking like wrong Hmm. as opposed to using it to collaborate. Because I can tell you a whole bunch of people that are less talented than me that went faster than me. That's exactly my whole point of this entire show. And if you listen to this all the time, you definitely know this is where where I stand on it. But what you just said, it basically encapsulates my entire purpose for this because I feel like the what is obviously important. You have to be competent and you have to have a skill set and you have to work on that craft. Yeah, yeah. But I just find that if you focus more of your time on the who, the speed will always be greater. Like you'll skip rungs on the ladder. You'll shorten the runway, however you want to phrase it. You'll get so much better, so much faster. Yeah. And if you combine the two, yeah. you're unstoppable. Yeah. If you are committed to greatness mm-hmm. and you collaborate with other people and lift them up, mm-hmm. like make other people great. You know, my sister said to me when we were doing this conference, it was four days. She's like, my God, the amount of time you give other people on the stage is unbelievable, right? We did a four day event, mm-hmm. 9,000 plus people. That was incredible. And I give speakers, well, Grant, well, you could be up there the whole time. I said, mm-hmm. no, I'm sharing, I'm sharing that platform, right? Right Now, what does that do for me? First of all, it edifies me. For sure. It's like, 100%. I don't need to be on the stage. Yeah. They're on the stage on my behalf. Mm-hmm. It gives me a network, a built-in network. So we spent $4 million with the Mandalay Bay. Yeah, that was incredible. To, too, to give yeah. me instant, okay? I got speakers that came from around the world to deliver content. I didn't pay them. <laughs> I spent, I wrote a check to Mandalay Bay for 4 million bucks. I gave them an audience. Right. They can't, most people cannot put 9,000 people in front of themselves. Oh. So I did that for a whole bunch of people and gave them a great qualified audience. So you want to do whatever you have to do, what you're saying, which is build this network, like to reach up. Mm-hmm. And I realized one day I was watching CNBC one morning. I saw all the players on the planet, the top mm-hmm. 50 or hundred players or whatever that number is. They were all showing up in Davos in Switzerland. Okay. Buffett, mm-hmm. Gates, all the players, mm-hmm. the Google boys. I'm like, dude, this look, what are you doing, Grant? <laughs> what are you doing, man? You're so stupid, dude. You need to go to Davos. You need to show up where the other players are. You need to go there and eat dinner. Eat dinner with the kings and the queens. Now I know some people, this goes back to this last thing you said about the morality thing. Yeah. I don't need all that. Okay. When you say you don't need all that, you're being selfish. You need to eat with kings and queens and power players mm-hmm. because it's going to accelerate everything for your family. Right. Like if you're one of those people that want, you're a Greenpeace guy. The best thing you could do is go eat dinner with Bill Gates, right? Rather than being in your little freaking Zodiac boat, yeah. just doing the Zodiac boat thing, attacking mm-hmm. the big ship. You need money. You need funding. You need support. Exactly. You need people behind you. You can't do anything by yourself. Yeah. So what's the best way that you found to get into those networks of people? Like what? Flow power, man. Okay. Flow power to people. When I moved to Miami, I called a couple of people, business owners here in town. And I said, look, what's your favorite charity I want to help out? Hmm. Help out. Yeah. Flow power give, to power. Yeah. Give, give, give. Yeah. Don't try to get something. Don't try to get on my stage. You know, I have people every day like, hey, I want to do business with you. I got this great idea. I'm going to make you a million dollars. Dude, dude, dude. Just flow power to me. 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. Flow power to power and keep flowing power to power. Right. Get used to flowing power in the direction of power. That's such a great way to articulate it. I've never heard it articulated that way. That's why I asked for a little bit of an explanation, but it's something I talk about a lot is finding somebody that you want to connect with and finding a way to give and add value. But like just flowing power is a great way to yeah. put it. Because what it happens is offers you the ability to start getting into those circles of people. Yeah. And the temptation is if you're a good person is that you want to help people. It's like, if you love helping people, the temptation is to help people that maybe haven't earned the help yet. Hmm. So I need to be delicate about how I say this, but yeah. I know guys that they help broken people. Yeah. They help people that are out exchange, that don't show up on time, that don't stay late, that want something extra, they advance some money. Mm -hmm. They All you do is cripple the individual more. Right? Remember enable. my- Enable. Oh, you're enabling. Yeah. You're trying to help. And by the way, the guy that helps broken people over and over is broken. And he's trying to fix his own brokenness by helping another broken person. I want to help people that are- doing well, helping themselves, helping themselves that are in power, moving to more power. They're taking chances and risk. I'm not going to help the guy that won't help himself. Yeah. I say this all the time. Look, I don't help people with that have nothing. I help people that have something and are willing to take that something and invest it in becoming more than, than what they are right there. So we can make a network that's strong because a network with a bunch of weak people is not a network. Right. It right. won't work. Exactly. There's so much stuff there to choose from to talk about, but I kind of want to move on the conversation here and ask for just number one tip. So if somebody's just tuning in right now, they missed the whole part of the conversation. And if that's true, you should go check out the beginning because it was fantastic. But if you're just tuning in right now, you need one tip on how to network better, how to increase your inner circle. What is that? Make a list. Tip? Make a list, man. Who do you want to network with? It's like getting a job. Yeah. The way colleges are taught how to get a job is you look for the industry that's expanding. It's completely ridiculous. Mm -hmm. You work for people, not companies. Yeah. So that's, you want to make- so true. That's something, I, if I could go back, that dude, would change that. So, so dumb, dude. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What industry do you want to work in? Right. Well, I'm an accountant. Yeah. So who's hiring <laughs> right. accountants? Oh, the gas industry is hiring accountants. Right. You're not going to work for the gas industry and you're not going to work for a company. You're going to work for a person. So what people, you talk about acceleration, man. Don't go get a job. Go work for a person, yeah. right? So I would make a list. Who do I want to network with? Who do I want to eat dinner with? Who do I want to spend time with, right? Not mentoring. I'm not talking about mentoring. You guys mentor, you need to read a book. The mentoring thing is so overblown. I've never called somebody and said, will you please be my mentor? Not in a formal way. No, no. Yeah. What I'll do is I'll grab a guy that's written this many books. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that's my mentoring. I'm going to read everything that guy put together. Yeah. I'm going to study every audio program he has. I'm going to study everything he's done. That's how you get mentoring. So the network thing is about how do you hook up with players? Okay. Real quick yeah. on what you were just talking about. How much do you think estimated that you've spent on mentorship, coaching, books, basically anything investing yeah, well, I mean, in I study, I study, you know, so how many millions? millions. Spent millions of dollars. Yeah. Do you think that that's a direct no doubt. result? I spent, it's not just how much money cost. I've spent, it's how much time I've spent. Hmm. Like, even when I was 25 years old, I spent $3,000 when I was 25 years old. That would be about 9,000 bucks today. Okay. I didn't have the money, I borrowed it. Borrowed it from my mother, paid her back 30 days later. Mm -hmm. And I watched those tapes Oh man, dude! I got there was tapes. This, this is like how, a like a sales. It was a sales thing. Or, yeah, it was yeah. sales, and it was a beta tape. It was the tape was like that thick, and it played on a machine, and it pumped to the TV. Not just the nine thousand dollars. I probably watched that thing ten thousand times. Wow! It was twelve tapes. I knew every word. I knew pauses. I knew humor. I knew everything. Inflections. I knew like it taught me how mm. to get in a groove, and I didn't have a groove right. So since then, I have spent millions of dollars 
to be in the right place. Yeah. Just this conference. I spent $4 million to be there. Mm-hmm. That's what I spent. Right. People were paying 15 grand to be there. Like these tickets are expensive. My ticket's expensive. <laughs> okay. I'm the one that spent all the money here, right. but it was worth the 4 million to be with Damon John, mm-hmm. to be with Andy Frisilla, to have guys on stage with me, Jordan Zimmerman, who does $4 billion a year, you know, Bobby Castro, who buys real estate, just invested $3 million in my real estate fund. I had him on stage. He's like, this feels good. This is the right thing. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, right. You're a legit dude. You're not just talking about it. This is a real business. You know, just when you build a network, when you go from being one person to all of a sudden 25 people and 9,000 people around you, mm-hmm. you're legit. Right, right. You're not just riding around town saying, I'm on Instagram. What was the first 9,000 you spent? Because I think it's the first money that you spend on personal development slash self-improvement, whatever you want to call it. The first like big chunk of money you spend, it almost becomes addicting after that to the point because of what you're saying, because it works so well. There's a direct ROI with improving the quality of who you are. So for somebody out there listening that's going like, man, I've I've just never, I've never done anything like that. I've always been taught, like, don't put myself in debt. Yeah, but they have done something like that, okay? If you're doing self-improvement, your first investment will not be that self-improvement course. It was college and it failed you. Or it was high school and that failed you. So what happens with people is the reason they don't want to do the self-improvement thing is because education failed them. Hmm. They're like, I don't want to spend money on your course. How bad was high school for you, dude? Oh, it's terrible, man. It was terrible. It's a waste of time. 12 years. I learned nothing. I got nothing out of it. And then I went to college. I did that for two years. I'm 40 grand in debt. Couldn't even get a job. (laughs) The first self-improvement course you guys did failed you and it took too long and it cost too much and it's called school and it failed most people. Very few people attribute college, school to like where they are today. Right. Especially because the mindset just totally screws you over that you, from that culture. And then it takes so long. Yeah. Like learning shouldn't take that long. Like if I get a piece of data, I should be able to put it to you right Right. away. I shouldn't have to wait until the class is over. So that brings me to another question then. So is there too much? Because I mean, I met people recently who are literally never made a dime, like not implementing any of the stuff they learned. They're like $50,000 in debt from spending money on programs, courses, events, masterminds, everything, but they don't ever make any money. Like when's enough enough? I would keep doing it. I think it's going to stick. I think something's going to happen. As long as you take action. Maybe not. Maybe you're just going to finally change. It's like, look, I quit using drugs. 9,000 days in a row. Yeah. 9,000 times. Like what is 365 times nine years? So based on what you're saying, I should have quit trying to quit. But one day it's stuck. Yeah. I've read a bunch of bad books. Oh, there's the bad book list. Terrible, terrible, terrible. Mm-hmm. But even when I'm reading a bad book or going to a bad seminar yeah. or not using it, it's starting to stack data for me. Mm-hmm. I'm starting to make, okay, what's true for me? Just like when you're looking at a real estate deal. Dude, I look at real estate deals. No, no, no. Bang, there's the yes. It's all data. Dude, all I need is one deal. I need one deal, but I need a bunch of bad books and a bunch of bad mentors and a bunch of bad advice to then say, there's the golden. I just need that golden piece. How many days? I mean, I quit using drugs 32,800 times. On the 801, I went to treatment. Yeah. Never used drugs again. So I would just tell people, if you're not using the data, no problem, man. Maybe you have the wrong information. Maybe it's too much information and not enough. Hey, pick up the phone right now yeah. at the course. Right. Like we just right. finished doing a three-day boot camp. Dude, we had people making money on the first half of the first day mm-hmm. of the course. Yeah. So we're saying, here's some data. Apply it at lunch. Let's talk about it at one. Mm-hmm. So it could be the wrong course. It could be the wrong information. Like there's a lot of bullshit out there. Yeah. The life coaching. Mm-hmm. Dude. You don't need a life coach. You need a business coach. Do you, do you think that there is an age where it's too early to spend that kind of money on stuff no, like that? Never, never okay. too early. I don't think it's too early. I don't think it's too late. I don't think there's ever too much. Okay. I okay. think people quit. People quit getting data. 
they give up on the network marketing company. Mm -hmm. Oh, Amway didn't work. New Skin didn't work. Mm -hmm. ACN didn't work. Maybe the next one works. Okay. (laughs) I tried doing Instagram. Can't get a following. Good, man. Do another one. Frequency is the way to greatness. Don't quit no matter what. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Unless it's bad for you, don't quit. <laughs> Unless it's bad for you. <laughs> you know, yeah. if there's a chance of a win, if there's a chance that your life can get better, if there's a chance that there is gold on the other side of the rainbow, dude, mm-hmm. walk. And we talked a lot about uh, a lot of things do need to start getting wrapped up, but I want to touch on real estate because that's something that my dad's been a real estate broker like basically my entire life. Yeah. So it's something I grew up in and something I'm fascinated with. So I, I want to talk about that. This is something that was polarizing to me when I first started following your content a couple years ago, uh-huh. and that's don't buy a house. Yeah, yeah, Since yeah, then, yeah. I've implemented that and yeah. found it to be 100% accurate yeah. <laughs> because of a bad deal that I bought when I was like 21, 22. Right, right. So talk a little bit about that. Why is it bad to buy a house? That goes against literally everything that everybody tells you to do. Look, houses were made for banks, okay? Houses were not made for people. You need to live somewhere, but you do not need to sign a 30-year note for the place you live in. Mm. House is a ball and a chain that weighs, that's in the cement Mm. and you can't leave it, okay? You do not want to buy a house. One door is not an investment. One door is a liability. A liability, yeah, exactly. That was the biggest change mindset shift for me because I'd always thought of it as an asset. Buy a house, it's an asset, you know? Don't buy a car because that's a liability. It's an asset for assets. A A car (laughs) is a better investment than a house is. I would buy a car before I bought a house. Really? I'd but, buy but, a boat. I think I might buy a boat before. And a boat is like as bad as it is. Yeah. <laughs> a house is a, because you guys have been hypnotized. Yeah. You have been lied to so heavily. Yeah. Now, I know all my real estate friends out there that like a lot of real estate biz- people do business with me, the guys that sell real, residential real estate. I am not going to convince the whole world that a house is a bad deal. <laughs> it's so ingrained in mm-hmm. people's like, I got to own yeah. it. I got to But what about it. equity? Grant, what about equity? Yeah, I'm going to create equity other places. <laughs> right. So I don't want... Yeah. It, so to it, be clear here, he's not saying don't buy real estate. No, no. No, that is not... I, I yeah. own more real estate than everybody watching right now. Right. So I own... Just don't buy where you live. Don't buy where I live. I don't need to own where I live. What I want to do is I want to own real estate that I can rent to others. I only want to own what pays me every month. Hmm. Okay? Like I don't buy land. Nobody should buy land. That's a speculation. Okay? I would buy land if it was producing oil. Hmm. And if I was getting a pump every month, right, if I got a check, if I only buy things that give me checks. So now that brings me to the plane because somebody's going to be like, dude, you bought a plane. Mm -hmm. Plane doesn't pay you. Yes, it does. Plane gets me to the pay. Plane gets me to the network. Mm -hmm. So when I got on that plane, when I bought the first plane, Jared, our VP of sales says, we were going through Dallas. I was still flying commercial at the time. And he's like, we met the VP of some company. And he's like, you know, Grant, when you buy the plane, we won't meet the VP of the company anymore. Mm -hmm. I said, no, we won't, dude. Now we'll meet the owner. <laughs> okay. We pay for that plane in three months. Wow. The first plane was paid for in three months. Why? Because I can get to places. Time is money, right? Warren Buffett's bought one house his whole life, his entire life. Wow. One $28,000 house. That's not how he made his money. He made his money. He didn't build equity in that. He bought companies, right? He, mm. by the way, he doesn't invest in the stock market. He buys companies. Yeah. He's not a risk taker. He invests in sure things. So the jet gets me to people, that gets me to a network, that gets me to more money. Yeah. So that's an easy explanation for me then. Because every time I say that to somebody, somebody's like, do you own the house you're living right now or are you renting? Oh, I'm renting. Oh, it's a great time to buy. I'm like, no, yeah. I have three or four other houses that you know that I own, but I just rent those out. Like, well, why not just buy the house you know that you have right now? And then I'm just like, well, I, you know, I buy 
I buy where I can rent out and I rent yeah. where I can live. Yeah. And everybody's always questioning me that. So I guess yeah. the short answer would be like, ask Warren Buffett. <laughs> Nobody wants to hear this conversation. I mean, yeah. you want to have a two hour argument at dinner? Just say, hey, a house is a dumb asset for ass. It was for banks, man. Those houses were built for banks. Yeah. You would not have the banking industry today if it wasn't for home loans. So what do you invest in then? The only thing I buy is multifamily or office, possibly office, income producing properties. They Something to, that pays you. They have to cash flow for yeah. month one. Okay. So is there a cap rate that you usually look for when no, you're- No, we're not cap rate driven. Okay. We're location driven, market driven, job focused, like markets that the Austins, the Nashvilles, the Tampas, the Orlandos, the Dallases, the Houstons, markets where there's growth, mm. Salt Lake City. What are you about Vegas right now? I love Vegas. Okay. Yeah, I like Vegas. <laughs> so I like those in multifamily. I do not like them for houses. I hate Vegas for a house. Yeah. So those houses will get cut in half again. And there's so much good stuff today, Graham. I wish, honestly, I could spend a lot more time, but uh, we need to move on, talk. It's your show, dude. Go straight show, to you do whatever you want. Nobody <laughs> even knows what time it is. That's true. That's Time's fair. Up, I don't man. know what time it Where's is. Where's the sundial? Usually that means it's gone longer when I don't really know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But let's move on to the last segment here, something called the random round. Just a few really quick, random questions with some quick, random answers. You ready? Yeah. This is the random round. What profession other than your own do you think it'd be fun to attempt? To be deaf, the Wall Street hustle would be freaking awesome, dude. The hedge fund thing. Oh, my God. I'm coming back as a hedge fund guy. <laughs> or a rapper, one of the two. Or a rapper. Or maybe a rapper that is a hedge fund guy. <laughs> if you could sit on a park bench with someone, past or present, talk to them for an hour, who would it be and why? For an hour? I don't want to talk to anybody for an hour. All right, dude. let's make it a day. Because the whole 58 minutes, I'm going to be like, damn, they're going to leave here in two minutes. You know? <laughs> I don't know, man. I mean, God, so many people, dude. Like, you know, I'd love to know, you know, from Jesus, what, hey, what's the real deal, my brother? Yeah. You know, what's the real deal. Why the one pair of sandals? <laughs> I'd like to know, man. Look, like, hey, what's the real story here, right? Yeah. So there's a lot of guys like that. You know, Kennedy, I'd love to talk to Kennedy. How do you like to consume content? Books, audiobooks, blogs, podcasts, videos? I learn best in a course room. Okay. So in a room where there's a course, where there's checkouts, where there's duplication, where somebody's helping me make sure yeah. that I am duplicating the data and not missing something. Give us a glimpse of your morning routine. I wake up. First thing I do is I wake up. I go take a leak. I write my goals down. Try to write my goals down before I take the leak. And then I work out, get a bite to eat, come to work. What is your go-to pump-up song? I don't have one. Don't have one. Do you listen to music ever more just like? You know, almost any rap I love, okay. right? So Till I Collapse, I love that song. But I don't have some gimmick that I use right, right. to go from zero to 100. Okay. I hear guys talk about, you know, the ice bath and the protein drink and this. I did. I don't need all that. You want me to go from zero to 100? Oh, you got to say go. Yeah. <laughs> I got go figured out. What are you not very good at? I'm terrible. Terrible. Let's talk about what I'm terrible at. Okay. So many things, man. I am horrible at organizing. Now, my closet, my suitcase, my house, everything's tight. Yeah. But- Planning. Planning is probably a better word. Planning things. Like, I'm not a planner. I am a nuker. <laughs> so what am I horrible at? I'm horrible at, probably horrible at acknowledging people. I don't acknowledge people well enough, you know? So many things, dude. I mean, yeah. we could do a whole Just a long list. Just yeah, let's just have another episode. But. I'll tell you another thing. I'm horrible on, like, I post stuff and I don't double check that it's doing grammar's well proper. Oh, uh, okay. I have bad grammar. I know I have bad grammar. Yeah. That's another thing I'm horrible at. You want any more? No, that's I'm good, good at sex, though. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's, it's good. 
<laughs> All right, as we get everything wrapped up here, Grant, there's probably a lot of different answers for this question, but what is one place online where we'll be able to find you the most? Wherever you are. Wherever you are. Wherever That's you are, you will be. find me. I hear, though, you're not doing as much on Facebook anymore. Sad. I'm just, you know, I'm trying to have a little battle with them right okay. now. <laughs> Look, they're throttling me so hard on Facebook. Yeah. Like Facebook is going to implode on themselves for what they're doing. Hmm. This one thing that they're doing right now, that I have 6 million people following me on Facebook and I have 61 likes on a post that should have 60,000. Right. It is so criminal what they're doing. Because well, you have insane engagement on Instagram. Right? Crazy, dude. Yeah. It's crazy. Like we could post the same thing, same image. So you can see that they're just doing this, right? Mm -hmm. Now, look, you guys can do it. Like I don't have heartburn about it. Mm -hmm. it ain't gonna, nothing's going to change in my life because mm -hmm. of it. Well, the but, difference is somebody listening didn't spend like 10 million last year on Facebook ads. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And I'm just telling you, like, when you go to a business page on Facebook and you start pushing and promoting on Facebook, mm -hmm. they're going to throttle you to force you to advertise. What that will do, what that will do, and it's been proven over time, is people will figure out another place to go because they're going to get a for Facebook and say, I don't need to do this. This is dumb. This is ridiculous. We're in a society now that rebels fairly easily when people are being taken advantage of. So, Mark, good job, bro. Appreciate all that you've done. Phenomenal. Great for you. But this will whiplash on them like right. other great industries and business leaders have maybe taken their situation a little bit too far. I think they'll loosen it up in the future, but it's just not fair that I would spend this much time and energy. Right. I sound like Trump now. It's not fair, <laughs> but you build 6 million followers, right. give them content every day and they can't even see the content Right. because they want me to force the ad. I'm already spending money. with them. Now I don't want to spend money because I get that bad taste in the back of my mouth. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, Grant Cardone, thanks so much for coming to the show today, Dude, man. Had a thank blast. You, thank you. Really appreciate it. That's all for this episode of Build Your Network. Your next step is to visit byn.media slash FB to join in on our Facebook group for more personal engagement, proven strategies, and tactics to reach your ultimate goals. That's byn.media forward slash FB. Remember, you're only one connection away. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.